0: So I have with me today Stephen Keslowitz, author of various media tie-in novels such as The World According to the Simpsons, Why You Better Call Saul, and The Towel of Jack Bauer. So thank you for joining me today, Stephen. Thanks for having me. One thing I wanted to say, first off, we kind of talked off camera about this and off recording, but it's been almost six months since we spoke last uh, for the 20 Years of 24 convention, which you were part of. Um, So how have you been during that time?
1: Good, excellent. Seems like the world is opening back up a little bit, so uh, things are things are good. Uh, yeah, yeah, things are
0: good. I, yeah, things aren't as exciting. Like that that day was so exciting to me, and then now it's like six months. It's like oh, we're back to the real world of you know just everything. So today we're going to talk a little bit about some of the novels that you've come out with. Um, you've ri- written various media tie-in novels. Um, kind of ex- examining the worlds of these characters more so than like them being actual fiction. Um, which I think is really fascinating. I picked up, for example, The Towel of Jack Bauer. I picked that up the day it launched when it first came out. I remember reading about it and I'm like, oh man, this is kind of cool. This is different. And um, and we'll get into that later in the conversation. But I want to start off with Better Call Saul. Um, everybody knows the sixth and final season of Better Call Saul just premiered this past week. I think it was like April 18th it launched. Stephen wrote a novel called Why You Better Call Saul. The tagline reads, What our favorite TV lawyer says about life, love, and scheming your way to acquittal and a large cash payout, which is awesome. (laughs) Uh, Now, me personally, I'll be honest with you, I don't know a lot about Breaking Bad and Better Call Saul, and I plan on doing like a binge watch, especially with this being the final season, and I've heard there's some tie-ins going to be with Breaking Bad and stuff, so I was like, okay, I really need to get to watching this series. I've heard nothing but great things about it. So... My first question, Stephen, um, how are you liking the new season of Better Call Saul? We'll just start off just casual. um, And how do you feel about it?
1: It's excellent. I think it's continuing on, um, you know, in sort of its slow, intentional pace. And, you know, what's excellent about Better Call Saul is that we know where a lot of these characters end up um, in Breaking Bad. It's It's a prequel, but, you know, it's really about the story of how they get there and, Character development and and seeing characters change and transform. So if you think back to, to Breaking Bad, really, um, you know Walter White, he was a chemistry teacher, and he talked at the beginning. This was really foreshadowing what the series would be about. How um, chemistry is the study of transformation of change, and you see Walter White in that show. Um, and I talk about this a lot in the book. Um, you know whether he actually changes or whether something was awakened within him. And you see the same thing with Saul Goodman in Better Call Saul. Um, I'm actually a practicing attorney. So for me to see a lawyer who sort of started off as, you know, he certainly had his demons, but he was essentially a normal lawyer. um, And he became sort of the soulless, vacuous, um, you know, individual in Breaking Bad. And that backstory of how he becomes there, that is, uh, was fascinating to me.
0: That's awesome, and, and I was gonna get into that of you being a practicing attorney. I'm pretty sure that that probably had a lot to why you love that character so much, because it's. I'm sure your life probably isn't as exciting as his. <laughs> I would hope not, because I've I've seen I've seen scenes and stuff. Um, yeah. is there anything that has excited you as to what Saul has done or seen? Like, I'm going to assume there's nothing that you can relate to as far as that. But. <laughs>
1: I can relate to so my, my wife got me interested in Breaking Bad and she told me about the character Saul Redman she said oh look you have to watch this guy it, it's interesting and you know in Breaking Bad there wasn't much to him he was sort of the comic relief um, in in Saul um, I can't relate to things that he's done or things that he's seen but I will tell you I mean in my own practice I have at times rare times but at times dealt with lawyers who have done unethical things nothing on that scale uh, of course, but um, you know, it, it, it's you know there there are a lot of rules that govern attorney conduct. So one like one of the chapters in my book talks about that. Um, you know, what are the ethical and legal considerations? So, for example, Saul's advertisements. Well, it used to be the case, you know, his billboards and all the tacky stuff. It used to be the case that that was totally illegal, and then there was a, a Supreme Court case that said, no, it's legal. And the reason is, you know, lawyers. You know, before that case, the idea um, was that we're beyond uh, the tackiness, right? We're this profession, and we want to go above and beyond that. Um, And uh, there's some element of truth to that. I think that it's probably overdone. I mean, lawyers are also out to make money, just like other business people. And Saul is sort of the tackiest example of all of it. So to see his ads, and I analyzed each of them to see whether they'd qualify as you know, protected under the law and free speech and all that. And also his interactions with clients. Um, Mm -hmm. There's a lot of intricacies with, there's a a couple on Better Call Saul called the Kettleman's. And they're his clients who do a bunch of things wrong. And they're switching attorneys between him and another attorney, Kim Wexler. And there's a lot of conversations that the attorneys have with each other, with the clients, you know, without them there, with them there, all sorts of different things. And as I was writing the book, I was, you know, jotting down the quotes and the lines and going through the ethical rules and, you know, speaking to the the, the writers of Better Call Saul, you know, that was all intentional, right? They, they're wanting attorneys to pick up on, oh, that was an interesting sort of wrinkle and the whether or not this is permitted is not so clear. So, you know, obviously the stuff that Saul does wrong in terms of money laundering and drug dealing and all of that you know is is obviously beyond the pale of course But there are there are closer calls and the other really interesting part is you know Saul is a good attorney Jimmy McGill is is a good attorney in terms of zealous advocacy lawyers have to they, they have a commitment to the bar to be zealous advocates for their clients he does that and whether he goes you know beyond that at times of course he um crosses boundaries he shouldn't be crossing but there is a line that does get blurred so you know it's a complex show for many on many levels and I think from a legal perspective it's also pretty complex and interesting
0: yeah everything I've seen uh, from the show like I said I've only seen a little bit of Breaking Bad and um Better Call Saul I know is a prequel to Breaking Bad but it's I definitely want to kind of watch Breaking Bad first just to kind of learn the character before I go into it instead of doing the backwards way but kind of like the Star Wars trilogy you know whether you want to watch it in release order or not but I'm more yeah. into um yeah kind of watching it the release the way it was released you know cuz that was the way it was intended to be viewed in the yeah. first place but um but yeah no I'm definitely going to check that out uh, on your website, stephenkeslowitz.com, I was kind of uh, perusing some stuff on there, and I saw that you actually were able to experience attending the third season red carpet premiere of Better Call Saul. Was there any cool stories you have from that, or how was it meeting the cast and crew?
1: Yeah, look, it's one of those experiences you don't forget. It was, it was excellent. Um, you know, I've had lunch with a bunch of the cast and crew and different conversations and different meetings, um, but the the best part of that night, I mean, I I was in a room you know the, the after party with Vince Gilligan and he and I were speaking for about 45 minutes just one-on-one and what was so amazing to me is um he was introducing me to other people so people would come up to Vince Gilligan the genius creator of the two greatest of the greatest shows ever and of course they wanted to talk to him and he said oh this is Stephen and I'm like I'm looking and I'm like they don't want to talk to me they they want to talk to you but he was you know, I told him a little bit about myself and he was recounting the details to everybody and that, I, I couldn't believe it. Um, and, you know, all these great directors and writers and actors, everybody's coming up to him and we were, you know, I was involved in all these conversations. So that was a lot of fun. And then what was really rewarding is um, I actually sent uh, Vince and the writers and the, the, the cast uh, copies of my book and uh, I get a letter in the mail from from Vince Gilligan, a handwritten letter on Better Call Saul letterhead. And he wrote, you know, Dear Stephen, I started reading your wonderful book, you know, we're honored you wrote this and um, great meeting you and, you know, keep up the great work. That was something that I treasure and that he took the time to sort of do that. But, you know, he is such a humble um you know creative genius you would not think he uh is the person behind all this the brilliance and just great person great atmosphere and that night you know you're sitting in the theater watching the first show with you know Bob Odenkirk is right in front of you and you know you go to the bathroom and Jonathan right. Banks is there it's like that kind of a night so it was it was a lot of fun
0: yeah it's cool too when you have those cool experiences with meeting like your heroes or the people that you you know are writing about sometimes it's like well man i don't want a bad experience because what if this guy's a jerk to me and you know it's going to change my whole you know and and i've been fortunate in all of my interactions with like celebrities and and people that i've met like i've met Kiefer sutherland a couple times i've met you know various and they've all been just great people you know all of them have been very humbling and very um howard gordon for example from 24 i met him and he sent me a personalized uh script from Uh the final season just because i made the effort to come meet him for a book signing and i he didn't have to do that that was just Uh on his own and that's that's always a cool a cool experience when you get to kind of have that with your heroes or the people that you look up to to pivot a little bit I found it interesting just how many appearances and times you have been asked to talk about the Simpsons. I was looking on in like the Today Show and you've been on various radio shows, other various media as being like a Simpsons expert, which I was like, that's pretty cool. I mean, that that's something you could put on your like gravestone one day, being like I was the Simpsons expert because there's a lot of Simpsons. It's been out for what, 32 years, I think is what I was looking at, or 33 years. 33, yeah. 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 And it's what made it about the Simpsons that you, that's like the show that you really wanted to to start, like, your writing career, basically. Yeah, you're right.
1: That was my first book. Uh, You know, it was really just me and my friends in high school, like, so many, you know, thousands of other kids were sort of talking about, um, you know, The Simpsons. I remember being in, in band, and we would talk about that during our break, and I got to college, and, you know, I was, I guess I watched so much Simpsons that the concepts were coming up in my head while I was in political science, and What I would do is I would make some reference in class in my papers to something that happened on the show. and I started sort of putting in essays and then someone asked me if I wanted to write something for the school newspaper, wrote an article about The Simpsons, and then uh, I realized I have a lot more to write, so I sort of combined the interest I had in in writing and The Simpsons. Didn't know much about writing a book, but put it together, got a book out there, and like you said, um, you know, I was fortunate that the first book I wrote was *The Simpsons* because it's something that a lot of people want to talk about. You know, the, I think I've been on hundred something radio shows, *Today Show*, ABC, like all these different places. Um, you know, and as an emerging author, I was a college student at the time. Um, I was fortunate that it was a topic that people wanted to hear about, and the idea that I was in college, wrote a book about *The Simpsons*, and they were using it to teach college courses. I had a lot of good, you know, support from um you know the school and friends but also just the media coverage and it was it was a very i mean an unbelievable experience to have you know i think we had um nbc came to my apartment you know you go to the studio and they put a donut in the green room before you went on fox 5 before the simpsons is on so i have these memories and experiences and you know meeting everyone at the simpsons years later becoming friends with them you know and inviting the uh Mike Reese, one of the head writers, is a good friend of mine. He's been at my apartment and we have hung out on the beach and all of that stuff has happened. And it's it's sort of been a nice, um, unexpected side benefit of all of the writing. And it, it's just been a lot of fun.
0: Yeah, I think the cool thing about The Simpsons specifically is everybody you talk to has seen an episode, at least. Like, I I, I don't know of a single person. I could probably ask everybody and they, they know what The Simpsons are. And I think the fact that it's still relevant today is like just a testament to how great that show was written how i mean i see online all the time it's like the the simpsons predicted this you know this is happening because the simpsons you know they, man they just are ahead of the game and and i i haven't read the book but um do you bring any of that into the book as far as like their predictions and and getting a lot of that correct
1: yeah i you know I, there wasn't a big focus of the book um i actually wrote it bef- bef- it's in a I i think like the sixth edition now so it came out before some of the some of the uh you know predictions actually came true but um yeah i think you know what i really focus on it's really sort of divided into three parts right why the simpsons is important and like i compared them in the tradition of socrates where socrates said the unexamined life is not worth living i think that's the appeal of the simpsons right that you know, they're a satirical show, they're making fun of everyone, they're examining, um, you know, the status quo, they're, they're attacking it, they're trying to poke holes in it. Um, and I think that that's of real value to society. So that's sort of the first part. Second part is really about the characters, you know, I, I tried to pick aspects of the main characters, some of the minor ones, but to, to, to write about. So is Homer a good father is, you know, one of the chapters. And, you know, there's arguments both ways, right? I think, and and part of the reason I divided that sort of, um, I I'd sort of put it together that way, you know, The Simpsons is a deeper show than it seems on the surface, right? People don't think Homer's a good father, but he is in some ways, right? There are some, some good elements to this. People think it's a show that, you know, is anti-religion, anti-family meanwhile it's probably one of the you know they're one of the only families on tv that goes to church every sunday they start this sh- every show sitting on the couch together right so when the simpsons was controversial and being banned from schools and all this stuff in the early 90s i think that was very superficial um you know i think i and probably you probably you know, many people grew up on the Simpsons as being a big part of the culture, it's a place where where people get their news from. You know, it was sort of the, maybe it was the Twitter of its day, right? It was a place where people went to, you know, it was sort of a springboard. um, I viewed it as a springboard for discussion and analyzing ideas. And, um, you know, I, I think that that was, you know, A a very critical um, part of it, and the third part of the book, the most like substantive, is going through the actual issues. So you know the composition of the nuclear family, American exceptionalism, celebrity culture, gun control. um, You know the different issues that they tackle over the years. um, You know I think that helps it stay relevant. It helps it stay um, mainstream. You know whenever there's something to comment on politically, socially, The Simpsons is there to comment on it. And, um, you know, it's put together by brilliant people and it it just has uh, worked for so long. And it's been a big part of my life just through the writing and enjoying the show. But, um, you know, I think it's, uh, you know, I'm very fortunate to have uh, that as my first topic
0: yeah absolutely i mean that's and, and again if we were talking about homer being a bad father he's a better father than peter griffin uh, def, that's definitely for sure so. and it's a much deeper show than family guy right People get <laughs> the debate about which is
1: better and all that you
0: yeah. know obviously
1: the simpsons being the precursor to all these other shows but also it, it's it's and and really i did this i think with every book probably except for the black mirror book what i did with um as I'm choosing shows to write about, I do look for character development. You know, you think of Jack Bauer, Homer Simpson, Saul Goodman, the character development, I think is from my perspective, an important aspect of, of when you're choosing sort of a topic to write about. Um, there's a lot of sort of substance and, and meat there to dissect. And uh, that was, that was one of the purposes of, of doing all this writing.
0: So with you being a practicing attorney, how did you, find the time to do all this because i know personally like back in my heyday before i got you know into my day job now and everything i wanted to that's actually being a professional you know a published writer i should say of fiction was something i actually started i actually started writing a book and everything and then i just ran out of time and i was like okay you know what i don't have time for this I, i it doesn't really pay the bills you know unless you you know are the next tolkien or you know jk rowling or whatever but um but what how did you find the time between practicing law and and i'm sure you're very busy going to college and everything to, you know, getting these books published?
1: Yeah, it's a great question. I mean, I think during college, um, it sort of treated this as like a part-time job. You know, I think that the writing of it um, was sort of one aspect. I think the harder part, the more time-consuming part is actually marketing it. So we did some fun things on campus. One of my good friends dressed up like Homer Simpson and held a sign, come to the book signing and walked around Brooklyn College, which was fun. Um, but you know, getting the press and getting the marketing—that actually took a lot of time. In college, I I, I had that time again because I, I I was a tutor. But aside from that, I didn't have like a real part-time job. So this was sort of how I treated it. Um, you know, I think during law school, um, I I wrote two books. I don't know how I did that, frankly. I <laughs> you know, I guess what is it, thirteen years ago by right now. It's hard for me to. Um, I think I did it sort of during the winter breaks, but yes, that's that was probably an intense period to do this. And then I worked at a big law firm for about six years in New York City. We were working sometimes 90 hours a week. So I didn't do any writing during that period actually. And then I switched jobs um, to an a insurance company, worked, you know, much fewer hours, and I've written two books since then. So that was sort of you know uh, how I've kind of divided. I have the main career as an attorney, and when I have time, the the book stuff has always been fun. So,
0: and if you love what you do, I mean, then it's just a hobby. I mean, at that point, yeah. <laughs> so. <Absolutely>. Uh, <laughs> And that's that's a good thing. You're never working if you're doing what you love. But um so let's pivot a little bit. We'll go to 24 now, um, which obviously for those that joined us six months ago, you know the 20 years 24 convention, which was a great day. Um, you can actually catch our interview with Stephen keselowitz Tara Bennett, Dayton Ward, James Swallow, and David Mack on um, on the YouTube channel. I have it linked as well. But um, one of the great things about the Tal of Jack Bauer, which is actually like I said the first book I picked up, I picked it up the week it came out when you originally published it before I ever knew who you were. Um, But it was, I love the tagline of, you know, with the tagline, what is our favorite terrorist buster says about life, love, torture, and saving the world 24 times in 24 hours with no lunch break, which is pretty much an easy way of explaining what 24 is to someone that's never watched 24. Um, The one thing about 24 to me Like The Simpsons, it's hugely popular everywhere, like all over the world. I forget how many countries, uh, it was like 30 something countries were there for the 20 years of 24 convention. And I, which was amazing that you just have that much of a universal appeal. And we kind of talked about this at the convention, but what is your thoughts on why is 24 such a massive hit, I think, worldwide? Just because it's a very American show, like it's very much about, you know, an American agent, you know, the whole, you know, torture. (laughs) Stuff like that, and I know you get into that in your book. A, a lot of those tough topics, but um, what are your thoughts on that? Yeah, it's a great question.
1: I mean, I, I think that you know the world was um you know witness to nine eleven, right? So even though it was of course an American event that happened in the United States, I think that it shook the world, and you know twenty four was. The first post 9-11 drama and it was in development prior to nine eleven, and it premiered i think a couple of months after that right november
0: 2021 yep november 6th yep
1: so um you know i think that the world was in a state of you know what do we do now how do we balance the idea of civil liberties versus you know security and whether that event happened in the united states or elsewhere i think there was Probably still is to an extent a, a worldwide you know sense of fear and dread that this kind of thing could happen. Um, you know I think that, that as sort of the the, the bedrock for the, the the popularity and the reason that um, you know it attracted people. But also just then I think just in terms of the writing and the intensity of the show, the ethical you know dilemmas that the characters face. Um, I think it was very entertaining. You know it is the first um you know it was the first real depiction on a mainstream you know, level of torture you know people would read about torture in books and reading about torture versus seeing it you know it's fictional You're seeing it on screen you know you're seeing Jack Bauer get tortured you're seeing him torture other people um I think folks have strong views on all of that and I think 24 challenges um preconceived notions of you know right and wrong good and evil and uh i I think that you know there's a lot of a lot to dissect a lot of substance and i think it applies beyond just the united states I, i think those are worldwide issues
0: yeah and i think too uh that's the first show i know for a fact that i've ever heard like i know um and i know you've brought this up before like Kiefer, you know actually had to speak at uh speak somewhere about the torture i forget exactly where it was but um west point yeah west point yeah and uh and and i've never seen a show that actually had those kind of like social like where it just got those conversations rolling i mean um it's the first show i ever binge watched i'll be honest it was uh something that i've never um thought about doing because it was before the streaming days you know it was you had to buy the season on dvd but i remember buying it watching it in two days it was like oh my god this this show's like the best thing i've ever watched uh when did you start watching 24 i started kind of season two and went, I mean, I I watched season one before season two, but I didn't watch season one live. Uh, When did you start watching it?
1: So I also have a weird sort of story about that. I um, I think the first episode that I saw was Ryan Chappelle getting shot in the head by Jack Bauer. And I was like, this is nuts. I don't even know these characters. I just walk, put it on and saw it. So I watched, that was season three. I watched that to the end of season three, which was, you know, weird because I didn't have the background. Then I went back. I wanted to get, you said as the, the DVDs. I wanted to see season one, but I read a spoiler about Nina Myers. And I was oh. like, you know now it's not worth watching. So I watched season two and then I loved it so much and season four wasn't out yet. I'm like, of course I'm gonna go watch season one. So I watched the end of season three, then I went, watched season two, then season one, and then I think I watched the rest, the beginning part of season three. And then from four to the end, I watched in order, but it was a screwed up way to watch it. So
0: <laughs> hey, at least you got to watch it. Yeah, I was going to say, I, I'm fortunate that I got into it when I did, because if I would have watched it out of order, I would have been mad at myself and had to go back and do it. But um, And I'm still hoping, I know, um, and kind of to go into our next topic with, I know Kiefer ha- has recently made comments saying that, you know, he feels Jack Bauer's story is unresolved and that you know he'd be open to coming back if there is a story to tell what um are your thoughts on that do you think because because me personally i know he said in the past and and you've you've analyzed 24 more than i have you know even from writing the book and everything but do you think 24 has more life in it and also to kind of piggyback on that question do you think the character of jack bauer is more essential to 24 or the time element like the real time because i know they've stated that they think the show could continue without him. You know, they tried it with 24 Legacy, but um, me personally, I, I love the time aspect. I think having real time is just, that's what made the show what it was. But I think it was just a perfect storm of everybody. But what are your thoughts on those topics?
1: Yeah, I think, I think I, you know, I agree with everything that you said. I think that, um you know, the, the issue with the ending of 24 is that it's a difficult show to end, right? Because I think Kiefer said something like this before. You know, you can't really have him, I mean, you know go off and be happy in the sunset because that's not what the show is you don't want to have him die that's pretty depressing and leaving him off you know the way they did Russia um you know it it definitely left you know a lot to be desired because it's it's unfulfilling to see that happen so I think it's it's a complicated um you know sort of show to end I think there's absolutely more life to it if they wanted to I mean I think the you know, there was great writing, great characters. Um, I couldn't get enough of Jack Bauer. I think certainly I'd love to see that show come back. Um, you know, having different characters, I wasn't in love with 24 Legacy. I watched it. I wish it would have continued. It certainly is would have been one of the top five shows on TV. I don't think it, it, you know, I don't think it had that same sort of bite as the original 24, but certainly it was a good enough show to stay on. Um, and I don't, you know, I think you could do the show with other characters, um, the real-time aspect, like you said, is really transformative for TV. Um, you know, I I think that, um, you know, it's also one of those shows that you get a lot of as a viewer from watching it. I think that, you know, your brain is sort of working overtime to connect all these different threads. There was a book, and I wrote about this in, in my 24 book called, um, Uh, another author, I think his name was Steven Johnson. Um, Everything bad is good for you. And the idea that his thesis was, you know, people think like video games and TV shows are um, bad for your brain. Mm -hmm. And there have been studies that a show like 24 or a complicated video game could actually be beneficial, maybe even better than reading a book. You know, the argument is, oh, you're reading a book, you're sort of, your brain is just sort of linear. A show like 24, you're connecting dots, you're different threads you know you're analyzing what's going on your brain is doing some good work there so I think it's you know the real-time aspect of it and connecting all the different threads um incredible show there's just so much to it
0: yeah and there's not I mean there's been a lot of copycats as they will but nobody's ever gotten the real-time part right or even tried to really attempt it because it is hard to do and I think I, I think it will come back eventually that's my pretty much my prediction on it I think it's going to it's just a matter of when um it, when the right time is and everything. But I know at the beginning of uh the tale of Jack Bar you 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 have a quote about Edgar oh. Styles and I know he's one of your favorite I, I think that's what you stated at the convention that he is probably one of your favorite if not your favorite 24 character besides maybe Jack but is that is that true pretty much?
1: Yeah I think that's right. Jack and then Edgar. I think it was just a uh you know I don't know if it's comic relief, but there was just something interesting about you wanted to see more of him, you know, a very good on-screen character. Um, but yeah, no, he was—he was definitely a fan favorite, one of my favorites.
0: Yeah, I—I yeah, I think I think too. Uh, his death was probably the saddest of the entire show, almost. I would I would imagine. I mean, it was just just That's heartbreaking. Right. But and then to kind of close it off too, uh, you also have a book uh, about Black Mirror called *The Digital Dystopias of Black Mirror* and *Electric Dreams* which again, that's another show that I want to get into watching. I've heard nothing but good things. Uh, Ryan from 20 Years of 24 has stated the same thing to me, saying it's something I need to definitely get into and watch. Uh, what were your uh, experiences writing that book or anything, any any cool stories from that? Yeah, so
1: this one, um, you know, Black Mirror is really um, about potential dangers of technology going too far. You know, so... Um, you know, one of the challenges of writing it is, so you have, it's an anthology, so it's sort of the opposite of the others in the sense of you're not talking about character development, you're talking about different characters in each episode, different worlds, right, the world in each episode is actually different, they're not connected in any way, there's different technology in each world, and as you're writing it, the technology in our real world is actually emerging and changing, so, you know, you may be writing, that book took me two years to write, the time I finished, it was like, oh, well, this technology is actually in a different place at this time. Um, I think that you know the value that I got out of it is I actually made changes in my personal life in terms of you know I still use social media um, but I don't post as many pictures and you know I think that I have you know more concerns about privacy and all of that and you know made certain lifestyle changes in that way um, because. Technology, you know, has positive and negative aspects like most things, but, um, you know, I think that, you know, we have to be cognizant of what the technology developers are, are putting out there. And I think Black Mirror highlights that in a very dark way. Um, so, you know, you'll see an episode about, you know... Um, putting tracking devices on children, right? A lot of technology starts off with a good intent. Parents want to watch over their children. Well, what if that technology gets hacked? Or what if it has the opposite result? If the child finds out about it and resists, you know, they'll actually break the device and run away from you and then you lose the connection. So a lot of times technology will have the opposite of the intended effect and un- those unintended consequences, I think is one of the themes of that show. Um, and, you know, I related Black Mirror back to the Twilight Zone. You know, people consider it sort of the modern Twilight Zone of the technology. And um, I, think I referenced like 90 different Twilight Zone episodes in books, something like that. And a lot of them, you know, were the old Twilight Zone, were dealing with technology. You know, there was an episode called The Brain Center at Whipples. And this was about a... Um, Um, a company that was replacing its workers with machines, with robots, and, you know, the the twist at the end was that the the CEO, the one making all those decisions, of course, was was himself, you know, replaced by a robot, and um, an excellent, you know, satirical, you know, episode commentary, and, you know, Black Mirror is sort of the modern interpretation of all of that and how this has gone and how it's continuing to sort of go in some ways astray you know you think about there was an episode called Nosedive of Black Mirror and you know this was about folks um you know basically pointing their phones at each other and giving each other scores um about different things you know their appearance and you know how you know, socially attractive. They were just in different sort of elements. And then your score, you were not able to go on um, certain flights. You were banned from flying um, or you were banned from doing certain things. This is going on in the real world. I mean, Venezuela and China have social credit systems, even in our, even in the United States, you know, you you think of Yelp, right? Where you're, you know, or, or even, you know, judging or, you know, grading Uber drivers, right? There's some Legitimate intent behind it, but you know you're you're essentially taking like a financial credit idea where there's actual you know merit to understanding people's finances for getting a loan, and you're applying that more broadly throughout society and placing restrictions on what people can do, and that's such a scary idea. So Black Mirror I think highlights all of that sort of stuff perfectly, and there's so many episodes that deal with it. And then the other show is Electric Dreams, which is similar in some respects a little bit less focused on technology but you know also just showing um you know different um how how different really science fiction could you know becoming reality and potential unintended consequences so complicated book to write a lot of different themes um pretty dark shows and uh you know i i kind of wanted to tackle all that and you know, as my background is actually as an intellectual property and technology attorney. So I see some of these technologies in practice. And it was interesting to me to see, um, you know, you know, interpretations of how this could go too far. So it was it was fascinating, actually a very good learning experience.
0: Was that your longest uh, from start to finish? Like you said, two years it took you to write it? Was that pretty much your longest book? Or
1: Yes, that one and Better Call Saul both took about the same amount of time. The others took much less. Um, And uh, look, that's also, you know, it it partly just based on my schedule and all of that, Um, working with editors, like there's all different sort of scheduling, different aspects to it. But yeah, I think that book and the Better Call Saul book were probably the most challenging um, and rewarding to write. I think that they're, they're deeper. And, you know, I think as you know, all of us as we, you know, get older, sort of grow and learn more. There's more to think about, more to write about. So um, I think that there there's a lot of complexity that
0: um, you know
1: I was picking up on that took a lot of time to write. It. So yeah, those two books.
0: Yeah, I'll definitely have to check out Black Mirror. I watched the the movie, the one that was like the Choose Your Own Adventure about yeah, the yeah. video game. I watched that because I'm, you know, into video games and stuff, and I thought it was a cool, you know, yeah. take on it. And I, I saw the <laughs> endings. I made sure I went and did all the Easter eggs and stuff like that. And I loved it. I did like that. So hearing, you know, more about it, the anthology aspect of it, I'm definitely gonna have to check that out as well because I'm always looking for something new to watch. You know,
1: so. excellent. Yeah, the, the movie was good, and you know, um, I think that, yeah, there, are, there are some of those episodes that are just so, so biting. Like the commentary is so on. You know. Um, you know, and you can think of it from political perspectives and there's, there's just a lot, there's a lot there to, to think about.
0: Thank you so much for joining me today inside the bunker, uh, Stephen. Um, is there anything new you're working on? Is there anything you want to promote that's coming out or anything that you're doing? Nothing at the moment, you
1: know, I'm always looking for the next TV show and, you know, time permitting, um, you know, be have to be I'd want to write more in the future, but, um, no, at this point, just started of talking about these TV shows has been on podcasts like this. This has been actually fun, a lot of fun. Um, but, um, yeah, not, not writing anything right now, but yeah, continue to see what's out there.
0: Yeah. That's, I mean, it's been a blast. Yeah. Anytime, anytime you want to come on, you know, talk some 24 forever doing, if it ever comes back, if you want to do like a weekly analysis or something, we'll figure something out, but,
1: <laughs> but um, yeah,
0: you can go to stephenkeslowitz.com to see all the information about anything we talked about or uh, that you're watching today. Also too, Amazon. I, I'm assuming amazon.com pretty much has all, of, all of these books still available that you can yeah. order them um, on Kindle or on you know paperback. Absolutely. So thank you so much, Steven, again, for joining me. Thanks so much, Keith. Appreciate awesome. it.